0: Welcome these guys. Good morning. Ronnie and I are going to chat for a minute here and then I'm going to speak. Real important, this is super important Ronnie, Monday we had a debate in all saints, those who like cranberries and those who don't. How many of you like cranberries and cranberry sauce? Wow. Over We were split right down the middle in the room, so I know Kaylee will appreciate it. It was a super important debate. Hopefully, you have awoken from your Thanksgiving nap. I know Ronnie has. So, welcome back from Thanksgiving. Ronnie and I had lunch. First of all, let me say, Ronnie, you've been here a couple years, right? You and Constance. How, when did you start coming to our Lord's? 1992. So they're veterans. They've been here a long time. We had lunch uh, a couple of months ago and I was asking Ronnie about some of the things he does and he started talking about some of the mentoring that he's done over the years and I was so struck. I said, I want the church to hear about this so we're going to have a conversation for a minute and I'm going to talk about mentoring and disciple making flowing out of that. But Ronnie, I just want You're gonna get to share a couple things, but I I wanted to, how do you know who you're supposed to mentor and invest in?
1: Good question. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) The reality is I don't always know. Uh, I wish I had some divine revelation where the Lord would just come and just speak directly to me about who to mentor. Uh, But that doesn't always happen in the real world. So I just pray and ask God to show me whoever he wants me to mentor, let them come to me. Yeah. And over the process of time, he has done that through something called communal basketball at the local YMCA. Uh, if I can just, just share a little oh, story yeah, about right. that, I, uh, when I started going to the YMCA, I noticed that the behavior of some of the young men that I was playing basketball with was not what you would call Godly. Uh, <laughs> to put it mildly. You know, you know, we're at the local YMCA, Young Men's Christian Association. And it was everything but Young Men's Christian Association. It was more like Young Men Cursing Association. <laughs> so uh, over time, I developed a relationship with some of these guys. And uh, do you have the pictures? That I, I sent some pictures. Do you have those pictures that you can put up? Um, this young man right here, for one, his name is Elton. He told me I could use his pic today. Uh, I noticed that during the process of time in this environment, I noticed that these behaviors were really, really ungodly. And, uh, and I said, Lord, if you want me to mentor any of these young men, let them come to me. Let them seek me out. And this is one of the first young uh, men who sought me out. His name is Elston. He was inducted into the uh, UCO Football Hall of Fame about five years ago. But through uh, my relationship with this young man, um, you know, we went through some shaky grounds, some rough roads. But over time, uh, he gave his life to Jesus through my mentoring process. A lot of the things that he was acting out on the basketball court was just the hurt that he had gone through without having a father figure in his life. No father figure, no one give him direction, no one to steer him. And, and, you know, you probably know this, but for some of these young African-American men, uh, Uh, Ronnie Ladd might be the only father figure that they might see. He might be the only pastor that they might might see. So I have to make sure that uh, my life is pleasing to God first. Francis of Assisi said uh, sanctify yourself and you will sanctify society. And I saw bits and pieces of that coming out during my course of witnessing to these young men. Uh, His name is Elton Rose and in the background to my right, in the blue shirt, that's my son Rodney and his friend his name is Dominique. I've been mentoring him for about five years. Dominique came to this church about six years ago uh, after I preached the sermon. We had the, uh, the uh, altar call. And I still call it altar call. You know, it's, it's really minister time. But he gave his life to Jesus right here at Our Lord's Community Church. And, uh, and so that was like a hallelujah praise. You know, he gave his life to Jesus right here at Our Lord's Community Church. They live in Dallas. And Constance witnessed, uh, mentored his wife. Um, Ricky, and uh, the other young man to my right, that's my son, Renard, and, uh, and the other one in the blue shirt, that's Rodney, my eldest son. Now, my eldest son, Rodney, right I've mentored him in the home growing up, and I thought that, you know, at one point, I was gonna have to catch him around and take could strangle on him, because-
0: That's part of mentoring. I just
1: could not get him to, you know, he was just kind of rebellious. But long story short, he's now a pastor at life church full-time staff pastor there just through uh, god's grace and his goodness uh he brought him into the fold and now he's a pastor so i just thank god for that. that's just a short yeah. segment a nugget of uh, how mentoring has transformed the lives of some of these young men so first of all some of us can't play basketball <laughs>
0: so the thought of going and doing that we're out You've just talked about some of the very practical things that you do once you connect with someone. Yeah. What do you do in your time with them?
1: OK. Uh, one, one of the things that I do is, uh, how many of you know Steph Curry? You've seen him on TV, right? Steph Curry. How many of you know uh, Steve Nash, seen him play? OK. They all know two best free throw shooters in the league. You know, uh, what, over time, they develop something called good habits. You know, they didn't just stand in the, at the goal and look at it, hoping that the ball would go in. What did they do? They started shooting. Developed good habits. Developed good habits over time. So what I teach these young men to do is create good habits. Yeah. You know, create, because the whole habits, those things are not gonna get you far in life. Yeah. Create good habits. The things that you used to do, those are old things. The whole old things have become new. So I teach them to create good habits. And one of the things I ask them to do is, hey, when you get up in the morning, Get on your knees and pray. You know, make that a habit. Pray every morning. And I gave, I gave them all a devotional by Oswald Chambers called My Utmost for His Highest. And I said, read some of these devotionals. Make that a habit. And then listen to what the Holy Spirit might communicate to you. And then let's talk about it when we get together. So developing these good habits over time will create uh, behavior changes. And that's what a lot of these young men have done over time. They've created good habits and, uh, and I just thank God for that. Good habits. Come
0: on. Thank you. Yeah, very absolutely. much. And can people seek you out if they want to hear more? I'm sorry. Could people, could people seek you out if they want to hear absolutely. more? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm
1: open. To, I'm open to that.
0: Uh, and I'm going to have you, I'm going to talk a little bit about mentoring and disciple making, and I'm going to have you come up and pray for yeah. the church. Sound absolutely. good? Absolutely, thank man. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. Can Thanks I say one thing before yeah, I sit down?
1: Uh, I just want to say this young man right here, uh, Elton Rhodes, uh, I'm so grateful for him because he's now a life group leader at Life Church as well. Uh, his life was a wreck, but he's now a life group leader, and I had him in my home to him one-on-one. Uh, everything that we did in the basketball community, we did it to honor God. When everybody cleared out the gym, he and I would stand in the corner of the gym and start praying together. And when the other young men saw that, Brock, they wanted to be, take part in it. They wanted to know what we were doing. And so they wanted to take part in it. So that's why I ended up mentoring over eight young men who ended up giving their life to Jesus. Thank you. All right.
0: Thank you, Ronnie. That's contagious, right? Sitting, having lunch with him. I have been thinking about it on a consistent basis what burns in his heart, and yours too, Constance. So this morning I want us to segue from that and talk about prayer, mentoring, and disciple-making. Mike was talking about how we are a community of worship, formation, and mission, and this is a vital part of who we are and what we do. What you carry in your heart is part of the history of the church here. We are about relationships really that forms the basis of who we are and where we're going in the future. So I want us to ponder this a little bit this morning. What exactly do I mean? I'm I'm putting two words out there for us to ponder and one is mentoring and the other is disciple making. So what do I mean by that? The first word mentoring here simply means to advise or train. Some of what Ronnie was talking about. The word mentor, it's a Greek word actually, it doesn't appear in Scripture. It first appears in Homer's Odyssey, a Greek poem from the 8th century in Greece. And mentor was actually the name of the advisor of young Telemachus, who was a hero figure in the story who needed advice. Some of you are laughing, you know, I've got the professor side here, so I have to explain a little bit of the background on mentor, it's a powerful concept here. While the word mentor doesn't appear in the Bible, the concept does, doesn't it? Some of you can immediately think of examples of mentoring in Scripture. How about Moses with the young leader Joshua? Or the Apostle Paul with the young pastor Timothy, he mentored him. Or Paul mentions in Titus chapter 2 that the older women are supposed to help and instruct the younger women in the ways of the faith. So mentoring runs through the pages of Scripture, doesn't it? It's everywhere, even if that Greek word doesn't appear in there. Why I like the word mentor and mentoring and why I'm using it this morning is because it can be used outside the walls of the church in ways disciple-making can't necessarily. So some of you are business people. Some of you are teachers. Some of you are coaches. You can mentor other people, right? And talking about Jesus may not be an overt part of that. You carry the kingdom within you. The Holy Spirit indwells you. So even as you are mentoring them and teaching them the fundamentals in business or school or coaching wherever that is the kingdom is going to permeate that situation but it's called mentoring so i really want to broaden the conversation this morning and say it's not just about disciple making it is about you as a carrier of the kingdom mentoring other people and a little bit goes a long ways this started with you playing basketball Right And them observing that you're not part of the Young Men's Cursing Association. There's something different about this guy. Not only does he have a strong game, but there's a purity and holiness about him. And that's what opened the door to mentoring. So what do I mean by disciple-making? The key passage, really, that talks about this is where? Matthew 28 18 through 20. We've got it on a slide here. Some of you have your Bibles because that's what we're doing these days. We're bringing our Bibles, looking at them, thumbing through, observing, looking at particular words and phrases together, studying Scripture together, what this morning is all about at this point. Matthew 28 18 through 20. This word disciple making appears in these verses. to make disciples, to baptize them into life with the Holy Trinity, and to teach them to obey Jesus, to practice all the things that he taught. We're going to look more at this in a minute, but this is the essence of disciple-making, to help people become devoted followers of Jesus. Thus, as we sit here in 2018, we are part of this disciple-making movement that started 2,000 years ago with a man from an obscure town and a ragtag group of followers. Ponder that for a minute. I'm going to come back to that in a few moments here, but we sit here today because of what Jesus speaks about in Matthew 28. 18 through 20. Somehow in the mystery of God's ways, we are also commissioned to be disciple makers, to help others become devoted followers of Jesus. So my goal today, this morning, is I want to further envision us to develop this community of prayer, mentoring, and disciple making. I sense this is precisely what Jesus is calling us into right now in this season, and that if we will give ourselves to it, and we will see that anyone is capable of mentoring and disciple making. Amen. Anyone. There is a democratic aspect to this. It's not for the select few. Thankfully, it's not just for folks that can play basketball. So I would definitely be out on that. This is Is available to anyone and everyone. I'm just having a memory of my mother in law. When she was alive, Amanda's mom had MS. She was in a wheelchair. She could hardly function. And yet she had people into her home regularly to tutor them and to teach them. Her mind was alert and she was lucid, but she couldn't get out. So they came to her. She mentored from a wheelchair. And had impact on people's lives to this day. So anyone and everyone can be a mentor and a disciple maker. So I want to propose a few things. I want us to ponder this idea of mentoring and disciple making. The first thing I want us to look at is that prayer informs and sustains disciple making and mentoring. Look at Luke 6, 12 through 16. I use the NRSV, the New Revised Standard Version. There are others, the NIV, the English Standard Version, but I prefer the New Revised Standard Version. So oftentimes that's what I'm using in our time together. So Luke 6, 12 through 16. There's something that can oftentimes slip past us when we read a passage like this, but I want us to look at it from a different angle. Now during those days, Jesus went out to the mountain to pray and he spent the night in prayer to god and when day came he called his disciples and chose 12 of them whom he also named apostles and it lists simon andrew james etc real people that he selected what does this passage suggest about prayer and disciple making Everyone's shouting at once. No, I want you to ponder this. Oftentimes it's about Jesus selecting the 12 and sending them out, yes. But for one, this passage shows that the greatest disciple maker in history spent the night in prayer before he selected the 12. Do you see that? So during the night, the Son of God, fully human, fully divine, spends time seeking the Father. We know from passages like John 17 that Jesus spoke conversationally with his father. John 17 shows us that. So perhaps during the night, Jesus is saying, Father, okay, who is it? They're all pretty crazy. Can you help me select the 12 that will go the distance with me? Motley crew of disciples here, and he's conversing with a father. Who are you highlighting here? What about this one? What about this one? He's saying, Father, what is your heart? Show me who you want me to select. And so it's only out of that place of prayer that he selects the 12. So prayer is intrinsically connected to our disciple-making and mentoring. Ronnie, as you said, Lord, who, who are you highlighting? Connect me with someone on the basketball court. Jesus is modeling that. This isn't a one-time event, though. I want you to look at Luke 5:16. It's not a one-time thing that Jesus spends the night in prayer, but what does Luke 5:16 say? And this is the New American standard translation here. but Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. This was part of who He was, his whole ministry. All that he was, all that he did, was fueled by prayer, including his disciple-making. I want you to look at another passage. We're gonna look at primarily Luke, but I've got us looking at a few other passages. Look at Luke 3, 21 and 22. Again, I'm taking some of these passages that we're familiar with, and we're shining a different light on it so we can see different aspects. And this is another one, Luke 3, 21 through 22 there's something beautiful here about disciple making. Luke 3, 21 through 22. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven. You are my Son, the Beloved, with you I am well pleased. This passage centers on the baptism of Jesus, doesn't it? And his anointing with the Holy Spirit and the beginning of his messianic ministry. But consider something with me here. Jesus is praying, right? What happens when he prays? Look at the text. After the Holy Spirit descends on him. What does Jesus hear from the Father? You're my son. With you, I'm well pleased. So what in the world does this have to do with disciple making? We've seen that Jesus prayed before selecting his 12. We've seen that Jesus would often slip away to pray, go to the desert. And now here in chapter 3, 21 and 22, we catch a glimpse of what Jesus heard and experienced when he prayed. You with me? What did he hear and experience? The father is saying, I love you. I'm well pleased with you. This is the incarnate son of God. And that is what he is hearing in his moment of prayer. So I'm going to suggest that one of the key parts of disciple making fueled by prayer, is that we are drawing other people into the love of the Father. That is what disciple-making is all about. Jesus is first experiencing the love of the Father. I love you. I am pleased with you. And then what does he do in turn? He goes and shares the love of the Father with those who need to hear it. So disciple-making at our Lord's, fueled by prayer, means... Not only do we ask, Father, who are you highlighting for us to mentor or disciple, but Father, who can we take under the waterfall of your love on a regular basis? Your waterfall, as Brad was saying, you are singing over us. You are filled with passion and affection and ready to love the sin right out of us. Who can we bring into that? That is, my friends, what disciple-making is about introducing people and help, helping them live in the love of the father a second thing about disciple making and mentoring is that they are rooted in friendship with Jesus look at mark 3:14 another verse that oftentimes slips by us certain content but not this morning mark 3:14 And he, Jesus, appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, to be with him and to be sent out to proclaim the message. What's the order here, friends? Jesus named and appointed the twelve to do what, first and foremost? What's the text say? Four words. To be with him. Why in the world do we often rearrange the order here? I do this. Oftentimes we rearrange the order and it's usually, hey, you're a disciple now, go get busy. Do the work of Jesus. And what are we called, church, first and foremost, like the earliest apostles, to do? To be with him. Constantly. To be with. With him, just as he was with the Father. So, mentoring, disciple making flows out of our being with the Lord Jesus. So, the model that Scripture gives us is different than this kind of activist go get busy, do the work, and then maybe say hello to Jesus as you go to bed at night after a busy day. The model of Scripture is first and foremost, we're called. Think about what Jesus says in John 15, 15. He says, I don't call you servants. What does he call his disciples? Friends. So we're called into that place of friendship. There's a great Swiss reformed theologian named Hans Vieter. He's commenting on Mark three fourteen, and listen to what he says. Discipleship means entering into a lifelong relationship with Jesus, This includes participation in his life, including suffering with him. The disciple is not merely to learn from Jesus, but to share his or her whole life with him without reservation. Who says scholars can't have a burning passion? Hans Vieter here saying that discipleship is a lifelong relationship with Jesus. So how can we Call others to follow Jesus, to experience a love of the Father, if we're not vitally connected to Him on a regular basis. Many Christians throughout church history have said it like this You cannot give what you do not have. As Jesus said, Freely you have received, freely give, in Matthew 10. This is an easy yoke, not laying any obligation or duty on anyone. I'm inviting you to receive from the Lord Jesus this morning. Not to walk away saying, ah, there's more to do. I'm calling you to be with him, to experience the love of the Father as he did, to freely receive from him so that you have something to give at work, something to give on the field, something to give at school, freely receive from the Lord Jesus. I want to pause for a moment here and remind us of the simplicity and practicality of all of this. I'll never forget some of the things that my mentor, Steve Nicholson, who you've met a few months ago, did with me over 20 years ago. His mentoring of me entailed some really complicated things, like taking me to buy my first laptop. He said, Brock, you have got to get out of the dark age. I'm taking you to get this thing called a laptop computer. It was really ridiculous. He hasn't stopped making fun of me since then that I tend to be a little behind on things. So he took me, we drove across town, found an early Apple store in Chicago. He showed me what to buy. Showed me how to use the darn thing. Made fun of me along the way. But we spent time together. He was always doing these kinds of things. Hey, I've got to run an errand. Can you come over and meet me here? It's going to take an hour. So we would spend an hour together. And as we're driving around, he would open up and share things with me that would impact me deeply. He would draw things out of me. Another thing that Steve did, he actually took me to pick up the engagement ring that I bought for Amanda. So we were doing these mundane, normal things regularly. Who can't get in the car with someone else and drive them somewhere? Who can't, like Brita, Morgan, my my mother-in-law, who can't invite someone into their home? All of us can do these things. That is where mentoring starts. Not in a 15-week course on mentoring and disciple-making, but opening our lives up taking someone somewhere, serving them, and then mentoring and disciple-making can happen. A third thing here, the goal of disciple-making and mentoring is Christ-likeness. As prayerful disciples at our Lord's, our aim is to help others grow in Christ-likeness, is it not? Look at Luke 6.40. Jesus says something here. The book of Luke is full of insights into mentoring and disciple-making. Look at what he says in Luke six forty. Jesus is conveying something, the wisdom of discipleship. He says, the student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. In the broader context of this passage, Jesus is saying that the experiences of the teacher often become those of the student. That's what the first phrase is about. Matthew says, in his version of this, that if the teacher suffers, Jesus, then so will his students, his disciples. But what I want us to focus on here is the second phrase. What does it say? Everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. You remember back at Matthew 28, verse 20? A disciple is one who does what? Who practices all that Jesus teaches. So being a fully trained disciple means someone who gives themselves to the teachings, the practices of Jesus, obeying him. This involves Christ-like character. Jesus talks at length he says, what is first and foremost in all of Scripture, in the entire law, what is it? What does Jesus say? Love for God, love for neighbor. So Christ-like character more than anything reflects that. Love for God, love for other people. Jesus, though, spells it out. He talks about servanthood, suffering, endurance, forgiveness. So Christ-likeness involves Christ-like character. It also, church, involves Christ-like action means proclaiming and demonstrating the kingdom of God. Luke 1 through nine talks about this. You can look at that later. So it's not either or. We're going for both here at our Lord's. It's the fruits of the spirit, the love of God, Christ-like character within us, but it's also aggressively proclaiming and demonstrating the presence of the kingdom of God that has invaded human history. And he gives us power over sin and sickness, disease. So we want to grow as a church in the love and power of God. How do we do this, though? Look at Luke 6, 46 through 47. Bless you. Luke 6, 46 through 47. Again, we're looking at this in a different light here. This is the passage where Jesus is talking about a wise person and a foolish person, the wise people, do something, and their lives become founded on something secure. But I want us to look at it differently here. Verse 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? I will show you what someone is like who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them. What verbs there in verse 47 do you see? Come, hear, and act. That is the essence of what it means to become a Christ like follower of Jesus. You come to him on a regular basis, you hear what he says through the word of God, and then what do you do? Forget about it? We come, we hear, we forget about it. We come, we forget, we're overwhelmed. No, we act on them because the teachings of Scripture give us power that we don't have. So, coming, hearing, and acting. This is immensely practical what Jesus teaches us. A fourth and final thing about mentoring and disciple making is that they follow a 31270 approach. What in the world do you mean by that? Before we look at this, I want you to hear something, okay? I mentioned this at the beginning. We sit here in 2018 as the result of something that started 2,000 years in an obscure town in Israel. Jesus' approach to disciple making, what we're looking at here together, what many of you have pondered for various seasons in your life, this worldwide movement has surpassed every other religious and political movement in world history. Amen, Rishi? According to the nonpartisan Pew Research Center out of DC, there are currently 2.2 billion Christians on the planet. It started with how many? 12. One of them flaked out, so it actually started with 11. 2.2 billion Christians on the planet. In 1910, there were only 600 million, so it more than tripled in 100 years. Do you know what the Pew Research Center is saying? They just conducted a study and they say by 2050, there will be 3 billion Christians on the planet. That is staggering, absolutely staggering. And it flows out of this approach that we see in the Gospels. It was prayerful, it was organic, it was relational, and it is the most effective model the world has ever seen. Do you hear me on that? What we are talking about today is profound and simple. What do I mean by this 31270 approach? First of all, Jesus had within the 12 an inner circle of three Peter, James, and John. You can read about this in Matthew 17. These were the ones that he drew particularly close to himself for one reason or another. It may have been because they were bigger projects to work on. I'm not sure, but he took three and even within that three, there was only one who reclined against him the night before his death. Who was it? John. So you see Jesus here working closely and intimately and watching the response of particular people. So he had three that he took up with him to the mountain of transfiguration. We've already seen he's got 12, right, that he commissioned to extend his ministry. And it's only in Luke, in Luke, tw- in Luke 10, that he expands his ministry to 70. So three, 12, 70. So the point, church, is not to literally replicate, Ronnie, you've got to have three. Where's your three? Where's your 12? You got 70 people you're mentoring. That is not the point to literalize this. It's the spirit of Jesus' model, is it not? So we focus on. On mentoring and discipling, one, two, or three people. That's it. It is easy. It's attainable. It's doable. Oftentimes, we're wired to think, God, if you would only give me 50 people, let me teach. Let me do this. You're missing the point. Jesus takes one person, two people, three people, and begins there and invites us into that. So thinking of this in terms of concentric circles helps me. I'm very visual. I like to think in terms of this even in my life. Who, who's, who am I investing in here? And, and I'm not just spending time with him, but who else am I cultivating? Who else is on the horizon here? Some of you may, may say, well, you're a full-time pastor. You've got more space for this. That might be true to some extent, but I'm encouraging you who are outside the walls of the church to look around and see who God might be highlighting for you to mentor, perhaps to share Jesus with, perhaps to bring to Alpha. I want to say this, though, and we'll end shortly. We're not called to be activists and go get busy, right? We're called first and foremost to be with Jesus. The other thing is, I have watched people who end up mentoring and discipling other people while neglecting their own family. I remember it Trinity Seminary where I was 25 years ago and this guy shared. He was very vulnerable. He had a worldwide ministry and he was talking to about 300 of us in this chapel context and he said the Lord rebuked him one day. He is traveling the world, mentoring and training and making disciples on every continent. And the Lord told him one day when he was home, the Lord said look out your back window. He looked out his back window. And the Lord said, do you see those kids on the swing set, that is who I'm calling you to mentor. And he said it changed his life. It changed his whole approach to ministry in that moment. He realized, first and foremost, I am called to invest in my own children. So God help us if we look over the people that are right there that God has provided for us to mentor and pour into. First and foremost, we're called to our own family members. And then out of that place, we can mentor and disciple other people. So I wanna encourage you, church, to take these verses, to take these points, and to pray through them over the next week. Look at these scriptures and say, Lord, would you empower me? Maybe I'm a little rusty in mentoring and disciple making. I am. I'm talking to myself this morning. I want to mentor, I want to make disciples, I want to give myself to this like never before. Lord, help us. I also want to recommend a book. Is that okay as we end here? I've got a slide of this book. I've ordered this book and I'm gonna have copies. We have the slide there, Ro? Copies of this marvelous little book. It's about 35 pages. And it's called Making Disciples by a guy named Mike Flynn. Do we have it or not? We got it? Um, I'm going to have copies of this little book called Making Disciples by Mike Flynn, this Episcopal priest who became friends with John Wimber and experienced renewal in the Holy Spirit. And he wrote this little classic called Making Disciples. They'll be five bucks. That's what they cost me to get. And I'll have those in the commons on the bookcase out next to the restrooms there. And you can grab a copy of that. I think it's one of the clearest explanations of the disciple-making method that Jesus left with us. So why don't we stand? Ronnie, would you come up? i ask you to pray for us as a church along this line.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, if the Holy Spirit has either spoken to your heart or even convicted some of you about uh, mentoring, discipling, or shepherding, uh, just open your hands up to the Lord and uh, receive what he will have for you during this time. So, Father, we just come to you right now, boldly to the throne of grace, God. We ask that you would um, touch us right where we are, Father. Minister us today, God, from this message by Brock and myself. Father, I ask that you would speak to our hearts, God, and show us what you want us to do as far as mentoring and discipleship. Father, I know that you've planted something in our hearts today. You've planted the seeds already, so we want to see those seeds grow and bear much fruit. So Father, let those who are hearing you today step out, Father. Let them step out. Give them the courage and the boldness to step out. And those who want to be mentored, God, I ask that you would let them come forward, give them the courage and the boldness to come forward, to be mentored. Father, we are open to your leading. We are open to your guiding. We are open to the Holy Spirit speaking right now. So Father, speak right now to this body of believers. And I ask right now, Father, that you would uh, just encourage those who feel uh, disconnected, those who feel uh, disenfranchised, those who feel uh, alone or separated. Our Father, I I ask that you would show them how much you love them, how much you care for them, how much you want them to come back into the fold, how much you want them, God, to just seek you and your guidance. So, Father, now I ask that you would just bless us. Bless us according to your word, God. And all those who want to come to know you in a very special way, the door is open right now. The door is open. The one opportunity is open right now. So, Lord, speak to our hearts. Speak to our hearts, God. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to understand what you would communicate to us on this day. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you, Lord. Amen.